Consummate Athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement. And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life. Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today's a today's a very exciting uh, day for us. We have a new we have a new co-host. Yes, I I don't think he's going to be very useful. No, he is napping, but uh, that is good, I guess, as far as puppy ownership goes. That's right. We it finally happened, everyone. I realize some of you longtime listeners have been waiting a while for this. I can hear the exuberant exclamation we deeply appreciate all of the ratings and reviews that voted for us to get a puppy um yeah we we picked up dw yesterday he is adorable he is sleeping on my feet he is a miniature dachshund he is ridiculous he will be all over the instagram soon so make sure you're following consummate athlete if you want to get a get a glimpse of the newest member of the consummate athlete family yes indeed yeah, which leads us to, uh, so this week is actually our hashtag consummate athlete party week where we've kind of invited and challenged everyone from May 15th to May 25th to do as many different activities as as possible sort of within, you know, within the context of your, your own lives. And we don't mean for it to be like a challenge. We picked hashtag consummate athlete party because it's sort of all about fun. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll put together some little loot bags of some type right and uh will sort of reward maybe the most uh creative or or consummate of the athletes yep we're gonna do yeah two prizes one is just gonna be a random draw so if you hashtag consummate right. athlete party right. on activities you'll be entered and to that win could be anything there's some people are doing some runs just for fun or they're actually doing maybe another challenge or they're doing a big bike ride to replace a, a bike ride or you know, maybe you're just out going for a hike or carrying a small, relatively, I don't know, I don't <laughs> want to say useless, but at the moment it's not doing a lot. So you're, you're mean, carrying a dog. That's like a weighted carry, I guess. So that's that could count. That play, could count. You playing could play fetch? Ping pong. Yeah. So anything. So throw that up there. I think, you know, try and inspire the community to, you know, just ideas for activity, right? That could be with family and I think bonus points if it's with other people, right? Definitely. Yeah. I, I always say the the time I was probably in like the best shape was when I was nannying and I would just like get in a plank and let the kids climb all over me. Uh, DW tried for that today. He couldn't quite get get up, but he he did make my planks more challenging by hanging out under them. So I did not have the option of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just only seen families have been out walking more and I've seen a couple, you know, youngsters out on their, their run bikes and stuff. And, and the, this has been a good period of practice for them. I've seen pump tracks, several pump tracks have been uh, created. Yes, absolutely. Our friends over at Homes Landscaping may be going into that business, I guess, here I, in the Collingwood area. I think so, so call, yeah. call them if, if you're looking for a, a pump track. I don't know if they're offering that, but yeah, there you go. Yep, yep. Well, anyway, today's guest is, uh, is sort of a, a dose of positivity. Well, and I think, I mean, what other episode, or what other guest would we have on with the, the puppy announcement? I, I think guess? that's actually a completely, yeah, 
it's like we were saving this episode. The man doesn't get mad, but I feel like he might be mad if he wasn't the the person who was the guest on that announcement. It's true, yeah. Uh, so uh, if you haven't guessed already, we have David Roche back on the podcast. David is a run coach. He's actually my running coach. He's the author of The Happy Runner and arguably one of the most positive human beings on the face of the planet. Yeah, and he's obviously, you know, has lots of athletes who are doing really well uh, in sort of the ultra running, off-road, mostly off-road, right? Um, yep, mostly. Uh, but he comes from, like, his his background, if you were listening to the first time he was on, he, he started with football and did some duathlon. Yeah, did some cycling. Like, that was actually more his first thing, and then he yeah. kind of found running through yeah. that. And then and then found running, so... Uh, very interesting. We've had his wife, who's also an amazing human being in that she is a doctor uh, doing a bunch of research, but then also a very legit ultra runner. And coach, yep. Uh, and she was on just maybe a few months ago. Yeah, Megan yeah. Roche. Megan's amazing. Uh, and she at the time was dealing with hamstring, like a dirty, <laughs> dirty hamstring injury. So yeah. that's a good when you're if you're thinking about like, you know, overcoming and staying positive through setbacks right because i think that's you know it's easy to be positive if you're winning all these races right but it's sometimes interesting to see you know the perspective that people like megan might bring to something like that where she's super busy with work and ultra running and fitting it all in i guess right and and then boom you have a hamstring injury which is fairly you know debilitating yeah it's funny i actually i actually wrote an article and it's over on consummateathlete.com maybe we can link to it in the show notes sort of about the ability to like release results or like not be super attached to results but only when things are going well um it's right. very easy yeah. to I'm say i'm very like, focused on the process right now mm-hmm. yeah. but i don't even know do you think it's easy when you're winning to really do that because i think sometimes you get so focused on the result when you have to win the world championships or the local yeah, wednesday night race maybe for the world championships but i find for me i think like i'm so much less like interested in racing and stuff and like races and like how I do in them when I'm winning. It's very easy to kind of like blow it off or just kind of like be like, yeah, whatever, no big deal. Uh, but if I don't do well in something, it's a lot harder to release those results and like not be as focused on them. Yeah. So I think there, it's just kind of maybe an interesting a messy middle there. I think it's maybe hard if you're on a streak, right? I think that's where you start yes. choking or something. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think what's what's interesting about David, and I think the same is true of you, is despite the fact that a lot of races aren't happening, um, you know, both of you are still continuing to to work with your clients and kind of like refocus, reassess, sort of be figuring out like, okay, well, what is next, and how do we how do we stay motivated and stay working towards something instead of just like, well, racing's over. I guess we're we're just done with training. And I think that's you know, we need all different types of coaches in the world, and I think. David and I, the similarity, I guess, is that I don't think we take, like I do my training plans that are three months and stuff, but I definitely don't take coaching clients if they're not interested in a more long-term focus. Like most of my clients are with me for years, right? So it sucks that we don't have races, but we're still, you know, most of them have done a great job on their own of just pivoting and like Leadville got canceled here this last week, got two emails, you know, up. you know, sort of saw this coming that this Leadville mountain bike race, my main race, my only race for the season, you know, one of two races for the season got canceled and more time to get ready for next year. Yeah. I love that. You know, and and hopefully we can race in the, the fall or whatever, but yeah, it's similar. So I think David has a lot of, of similar stories where you have these people who it's their whole life in some cases, a lot of his athletes, like it's almost full-time if not full-time. Yeah. Yeah. And then what, right. When that, the whole world's gone. Yeah, so I think it's a pretty interesting conversation. And yeah, I mean, you know, as, as we always say, like, 
if you are, you know, interested in trying to figure out how to change your training around and shift it and stuff, uh, we have all the info on our coaching and everything over at consummateathlete.com. We'll have a bunch of links in the show notes and to for the trail David's runners, stuff. We'll link to David's stuff for sure. And definitely David's book. Like we'll link to, uh, I did for the happy runner. and athletes. Like I think uh, coming from a more data, like I, I don't want to say I'm hard nosed, but I'm definitely not as much on the cheerleading side, not to call David a cheerleader, but no, he's very positive shorthand though, of like yeah. data driven versus cheerleader. Um, so I, I really find it good to keep him, both his content. He writes a bunch of great articles that I love on trail running magazine, trail runner magazine, trail yeah. runner magazine weekly, basically. And I find that usually he's writing the stuff that I'm thinking about. It's true. You know, like, yeah. I should write an article about this. And it's like, you know, the most recent one was on, uh, way like just not like cutting yourself short as far as how much you're eating right and like touchy subject and like it's pretty important right now or if not always uh, and it's just like boom david dropped an article so i would subscribe to his twitter just simply so you can know when the latest trail runner magazine uh, article from him comes. yeah it's out. funny you guys are very similar it, like you wouldn't i wouldn't say so on paper but then i start actually talking to both of you and i'm like yep yep or maybe i would say it well, on paper but not express in, like... it in our own ways but it's yeah. true yeah Anyway, well, yeah. let's let's get into it, and you can you can all hear for yourselves as they talk through some of the more you know common problems that people are having right now and how they're dealing with them. So enjoy this conversation with David Roche, and make sure you're checking out our Instagram at Consummate Athlete for photos of our latest cast member. He doesn't have anything to say, but maybe maybe next time he'll contribute. <laughs> all right, enjoy. David Rush, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited, Molly, to, to chat with you and Peter and hear about everything. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super stoked to talk to you. It's kind of crazy to think that it's been like over a year since our first podcast. I've been working with you for a year and a half now. We've been through a lot of 50Ks, one failed 50-mile attempt, um, lots, of, lots of stuff. So it's, it's been a ride. Well, you've been absolutely on fire recently. It's like, you know, this this winter you did the epic bike trips and that aerobic fitness is really starting to shine with running. And so, you know, in this pandemic-induced race layoff, it's like the perfect time to build that long-term running economy emphasis that will let you, you know, light the world on freaking fire later. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. Um, I'm actually really, like, honestly, I keep saying it's, it's weird because I hadn't really planned to race a lot this summer. My plan has always been that, like, 21, 21 22 um, time frame. So I feel like in some ways I'm not the best person to, like, speak on, like, goals being canceled or anything because I'm like, well, really, my goals were already a year away anyway. So I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually released the pandemic so that you wouldn't get jump ahead of schedule. Yes. Sorry, world. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, it's probably not okay to make jokes about the terrible situation. We're not there yet. Everyone's in, but yeah, yeah, not not there yet. But it's okay. You can just hold this podcast for a year or two, yeah. and then release it. And my my joke will be considered quite quite pithy, and might even get a slight upturned smile from someone in the audience. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Um, so, I mean, how how are you doing right now? How are how are you coping with the pandemic, and how is your running going? Um. I mean, for me personally, like, my life hasn't changed too much day to day. I think the hardest part is 
you know, I wish I could do more to help people, especially the athletes I coach that have gone through really tough times, mm-hmm. um, whether that's with the virus or just with the, you know, the whole situation societally around it. Um, so that's, a, that's just like, it's a tough thing that's in the background for, I think everyone, but mm-hmm. for me personally, like I get to, you know, I'm smuggling a lot with Addy dog and, um, I get to talk to all my best friends every day through coaching. So that's really fun. Um, and then training wise, things are, things are really good too. Like, um, you know, healthy and just loving getting to bounce around on trails out here in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Now I have to ask, are like, how do you cope with, I mean, having to, you know, you coach a lot of people. So, I mean, you are kind of taking on a lot of other people's stress or, you know, stress. And like you said, virus related, work related, races being canceled related. How do you handle all of that, like kind of constant flux of, of information and still stay as positive as you are? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think one thing that I always try to remember, whether it's this time or other times, is that one, we're all, um, you know, we all contain multitudes or whatever. And just because there is even something like depression within someone, it does also doesn't define them exclusively. So, you know, each, each of the athletes that I coach, like they have some amazing traits and things that are so uplifting and joyous. And even if those aren't the, that's not the like little keyhole pe- peek through the keyhole I get every day. Um, those things are there and something that can be hopefully uplifted and, and we can really shine a, shine a light on. Um, and then the other thing is like, as much as I can, just emphasizing that this is a part of the human experience, you know, the, the ups and downs of it. And so I'm right there for the downs, hopefully with a, you know, with commiseration in the moment and a bad joke later. And just the idea that like, we're in this for the long haul, like with coaching, especially since we coach so long term. And, you know, that'll, that means that every athlete's going to go through tough times, you know, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that a lot more, maybe like a higher percentage is right now, but that those tough times also like give birth to like the ultimate blooming and other points. So, um, you know, that even in the, even in like the depths of winter, we're still celebrating the idea that, you know, the bloom is coming eventually. So, um, yeah, I mean, easier said than done when, when people go through true tragedy and those are the moments that, you know, I, I do wish I could just do more for them, but, um, you know, <laughs> I think it comes back to just trying to celebrate the beauty that you can find in every single person, which is, it's always there. It's just, sometimes it might not be right on the surface. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and I mean, you kind of mentioned it just now, but a lot of your coaching strategy is sort of this like three to five years out sort of thing. Could you kind of speak on that? And I mean, what that concept is and how that's, that's actually quite helpful right now, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the whole process oriented training stuff, it's like, you know, we're always like, well, we don't care about your races. And now the the world is being like, neither do we. Um, <laughs> we also so, do not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so when it comes to how we think about growth, like we always want athletes to zoom out as far as possible. Um, which usually means like three to five years. Like that's the type of thing that when you start thinking on those time scales, you can really start to get into those exponential compounding growth cycles that lead people to be able to do unreal, unthinkable things, whether that's in running or, um, life, you know, mm-hmm. like there's probably a reason college is four years. If you, if you think about how the brain develops um, and the body develops even more so like that. So when you think about running adaptations, aerobic adaptations 
you know, we're talking on the scale of decades when, when you're getting to the real deep aerobic adaptations. Running economy, those adaptations are sticky, but also year, multiple years to start even probing potential. And then you start to think about like really interesting things, like how about how genetics interact with athletics, whether that's genetic code or epigenetics, you know, the environmental influence, those might also be, you know, take thousands of stimuli, you know, like thousands of runs to get there. Who knows? Um, and what we see over time is if you're able to stay focused through all the ups and the, like, the severe lows that you go through, whether those are injuries or pandemics or anything else, then over three to five years, people can do things that just seem freaking unreal. And so um, the cool thing with coaching is we've gotten a little bit of a window into that and can now start to predict those three to five year cycles with a little bit more accuracy, though, you know, it, it's tough still. And once you start doing that, that's when it's like, you know, when, when I first met you, it's like, Molly, dream big. And when I mean say dream big, I don't mean like, you know, I'll be able to do this route a little bit faster. Dream big in the way of like, you know, like Neo in the Matrix, there is no bullet, <laughs> you know? And that that's where, that, I think that's the trajectory you're on. And, um, so yeah, the pandemic sucks, but if you're, if, if you're in the context where you're able to train, just feeds into that long-term growth cycle that can be just mind-blowing and unpredictable and crazy, even when you're living it, let alone when you see it from the outside. Mm-hmm. David, I'm on here now too as well. We finally have Peter. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, Peter. Hey, man. Uh, I'm wondering too, like you must find with people, I mean, you're, you, like you say, you guys are so long-term focused, but with running, you know, there's the, the skill, the, you know, fueling yourself, what gear you're using. Uh, to me, I've, I feel like it's been easier to get people to buy into this. You know, why don't we work on like the skill of your sport? Um, from all those terms, right? Like almost mechanistic as much as any of the physiology. Are, are you finding any people who are sort of buying into that a bit more? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little different at not having no expertise in things like cycling. Um, you know, I always think of cycling as a, a competition of accessorization a little bit, for um, sure. you know, <laughs> for sure. It's, some element, it's like a video sure. game where you're, you're, it's like a art. It's like one of those video games where you uh, get to purchase upgrades um, and like understand the sport and the technique of it. I think with running, a lot of the times that stuff smooths over with practice just over time. Um, and so we generally de-emphasize it maybe relative to other, other coaches when it comes to like, you know, understanding all these little nooks and crannies of like how to get like the little gains out of daily training and more focused on like, let's just get super freaking fast. And then it gives you a lot of margin for error. So the one place where that might not really apply is fueling where it's like, yeah, you need to fuel so that you can get the most out of your training to begin with. Um, but when it comes to things like, you know, thinking like hiking, maybe being a great example, hiking is like the ultimate in running or in ultra running in particular, hiking is one of those skills that if you, if you master it, you can really get, um, way more efficient on trails, but we really don't emphasize hiking at all in, in the long-term growth process because what we've seen is that hiking can be developed pretty quickly, um, in someone's, in someone's growth cycle. And then it's capped out and how much it can improve. And that's basically the whole thing is if, if these things are not, if you can't like improve, improve, improve over time, over time, over time, we de-emphasize them usually because 
we can deal with that when it's like when it comes around. But that also might be misconstruing the question slightly. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, I think you're you're right in a lot of ways there. The for sure the the running maybe doesn't have the same level of like mechanics and stuff to it. And by going through the process, I think you're also, I, I guess, in some ways you're saying too that like by training we're accomplishing a lot of it, right? Um, things like yeah. what, what clothing you're wearing when it's raining on a mountain or something, you hopefully are training in that setting. But I guess maybe without the yeah, stressor you... of like racing being in there, you sort of have a little more time to like experiment with like a different like sports drink or fuel source or brand of shorts that isn't going to chafe or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Not like I'm speaking from experience or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love it. Yeah, I think maybe that's a place that, that we need to focus on a little bit more. But our general thing is that a lot of that stuff seems, especially for athletes, that it's kind of like mental toughness. So, you know, mental toughness training, great and all, but I mean, what we found is the best way to train mental toughness is just to run into the fire and get burned a couple times and you figure out it's not that bad. Um, that it's not actually fire. You know, it's like in your... Um, and so maybe that's um, kind of how kind of how we focus on it is, you know, the the logistics of training and racing are usually subsumed by like are are, are minor compared to large long term like fitness gains, and so you know we de-emphasize that, which I think might actually be one of those those places that we can, we can grow as coaches. Mm. Yeah, I think it just, it kind of depends on the person too, right? Like a lot of people like are just kind of naturally experimenting anyway until they sort of figure out the formula that works for them. I think especially with runners, like especially when it comes to fueling for runners, I, you kind of can't fake it. You sort of have to figure out what's going to work for you because otherwise you're going to be over on the side of the trail pooping a lot. <laughs> well, maybe that's it. Maybe it's more obvious endpoints with running. Yeah. You know, cycling, you get away with it and you're like, whoa, close call. But running, it's like, whoa, completely <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, could be. But yeah, yeah, and I think it comes back to like we want everyone to think, not overthink anything with that. It's like a gel at forty-five minutes and every half hour after, and just practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but not practicing because that's the goal to get better. Practicing because the goal is to train uh, strongly. Mm-hmm. Because the training strongly will improve fitness. Um, and you know, the stomach training is part of that, but more of like a byproduct for us than like focusing on it specifically. Um, because I think it's really easy to get like, to focus on little questions of, of training, especially as coaches, um, you know, whereas like what really matters for a runner is the trial of miles. Like, you know, if they're, if they're able to grow and put in the work to, to start to see what their true potential is then the fueling stuff we'll be able to, or whatever, or the year or whatever, we'll be able to figure out when it, when it matters or just in the process of doing, you know, whatever the trial of miles entails for an athlete. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, it's one of those areas where, yeah, I mean, it's always a good question of like, you know, you can never prove a negative. So um, if there is a way, like maybe an athlete could improve or could improve like in an alternate universe, you don't know until you do it. And so maybe if we're not doing it, I don't even know that it's there. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, I, I guess similar question, but different. Like, are you finding now without races, um, you know, people aren't like, sometimes as a coach, I feel like 
we never get this and maybe it's different with running and where you are on the west too but in canada like we never get outside to ride really um you know until spring but then races start so i always feel especially yeah. with like my masters athletes right like where they don't get as much time away or you know time just period so i'm always like okay we get to the spring and then the summer and the weather's good but then everyone's racing and recovering so we never actually get to train um mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're finding, even with your elites and, you know, these people who are really pushing it now without the races, we're not, you know, you're not recovering or tapering down for like a hundred mile or you're able to put in, you know, these huge blocks of consistent, as you say, time on feet, um, trial miles where you could actually push to a new level. Yeah. I mean, you know, whenever like the pandemic is, is horrible and a lot of people don't have the either emotional or logistical or stress capacity to, um, to train right now. Sure. But if someone does, it's as good of a time as any to, to go for it. I mean, it, it comes back to like this long-term, this idea of long-term growth, like races are great and all, but racer races are just an excuse to structure this process when you zoom out far enough. Um, so without races, we're essentially left with a, moderately structuralist process focused time. And that's when the good stuff really starts to happen. So, um, you know, if athletes are, are excited about it and can get motivated in that, in the, the context of the current world, it's like all the, all the champions, all the breakthroughs that we see in the next, you know, one to three years are th- those seeds are being planted right now. It might be being planted with hard work, like, or whatever that entails for the coach and the athlete, or it might be being planted with like recovering from hard work or taking a step back to take a leap forward. But right now matters so much. Um, but it matters so much because every time matters so much when you're starting to think about, you know, the, the clicking, t- the, uh, <laughs> the clock ticking by and what it means to like chase potential. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so actually you kind of mentioned this in passing there. What are you, how are you dealing with athletes who are feeling super unmotivated right now? Yeah. I mean, like I, 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 I feel like before, I change like day I, to day. One day I'm like super into it and like Rocky style. And then the next day I'm just like, <laughs> I'll just be under my bed for a while. Um, come get me later. Well, you, you're great. I mean, Molly, you've been rocking it in practice, you know, like I know that the motivation goes in ebbs and flows based on like life, but, um, and you know, you've been absolutely nailing the process. And so when it comes to, comes to that, like, I guess the first place I'll start is something I said before, which is just, you know, the goal right now is not to be good at the pandemic. Um, this is not a way that our brains are wired. It's not necessarily something we'll hopefully have to deal with much in the future. The goal right now is to get through it as best as each individual can. And what that means for each person, like some people, yes, they thrive in pandemic conditions. Um, You know, there's some athletes on the team, including some pros who are reaching new levels and it's going to be so great. And then there's other people, including some pros who just like, this is not the moment for them physically and emotionally to push at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I'm just trying to say is however you're dealing with this, it's okay. Like, if this were a long-term state of like, you know, the way the world was going to be in the future, we'd want to start working on techniques and strategies to achieve self-acceptance and the ability to do hard work in the context of the pandemic. But this is just an anomalous 
crazy moment that we're hopefully not going to have to relive, at least for the near future. And with that in mind, it's just, yeah, I'm just trying to say, guys, cut yourself as much slack as you can. Like, you know me as a coach, like, I'm going to, I'm all about that long-term growth. I think we can keep keep doing work. But if not, just let me know, and we'll we'll adapt and figure out ways that we can keep improving without, like, you know, within the emotional context of that person. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, a business analogy, or there's probably an investing analogy there, where, like, sometimes, you know, so, so someone's stocks might do well or their business might do well in a given circumstance, but the other people, you know, sort of have to just deal with, like, the low points or you know, try and just like get through it as best they can without going, you know, bankrupt, but then, you know, things will improve and, and that person will have their, their time to shine, I guess. Right. Like, or, or maybe so true. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or like an injury one, right? Like sometimes people get injured in July when the races are and they aren't training. Right. And everyone ends up at the big race in September at the same fitness, right? Like it, it ebbs and flows. Yeah. So true. And it's not a choice. Like that's the big thing I'm trying to emphasize with athletes is like, so much of this is based on background, psychological context, life circumstance, childhood, like things that it, it delves into all, like just like all of our psychology, deep into the very nooks and crannies and recesses of our brains. And with that in mind, like this pandemic is something that just happened to, to all of us and to some people harder than others. And that is okay. Like it's going to, this will pass. And, um, you know, if someone is listening to this that doesn't feel like they're good at this, like quote unquote good, like they're just not like maybe thriving as much as they usually do. What I would just say is like, all good. You're awesome as you are. Don't worry about it. You know, talk to people, talk to whether it's friends or mental health specialists, but um, don't be like, why am I not good at this? It's like, it's not, it's just, that's just the way it is. And, um, you know, it's not a it's not a fact pattern or a scenario we hopefully have to become experts at. Yes, definitely. Um, and I mean, on on the topic of your athletes, one thing I have noticed, kind of being part of this crew for the past year and a bit, is you know a lot of a lot of athletes kind of fall into a bit of like a comparison trap where you're sort of constantly comparing yourself to others and you know, maybe that's making you feel like crappier about yourself as an athlete, et cetera. Um, you have, you know, a lot of like the top athletes and I mean, the list of race winners just goes up every weekend. Um, yet I don't ever see that like negative comparison. It's such a positive culture of like everyone cheering each other on. I mean, just, just how, how, how does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think one, it's just, I'm so lucky and Megan and I are so lucky to get to interact with incredible people like you all the time. <laughs> like, um, so I think part of it's just the types of amazing people that are on the team. And then part of it is, I mean, I hope athletes know that like, you know, we celebrate everything like while, while race, you know, a, a good example might be, you know, in the old days, as Molly just referred to, it would be races that we talk about each week and, you know, we'd celebrate that. But now, I mean, it's transitioned to, yeah, there's some running on there, but it's also like, you know, celebrating someone that, you know, got engaged or got a house or just like got out of bed happy one morning. I tried to celebrate every little thing. And that's one thing that like, I really encourage everyone to do as strongly as possible. It's like celebration is not something to withhold from yourself or others. Mm-hmm. Like I want as many fist pumps a day, as many woohoos a day as freaking possible. Um, it doesn't have to be like you set a PR that's worthy of celebration. It can be like, you know, 
damn, that was some good cereal I just ate. <laughs> I really did. You know, that was just like a perfectly proportioned bowl of cereal. Like, or whatever. Like, it, it can be funny. It can be serious. It can be um, a, a, any mix of things. But to really, like, take joy in patting yourself on the back and being like, yeah, I am freaking awesome. And so mm-hmm. by hopefully like cultivating a culture where it's okay to do that, not just for us, not just for us to say you're awesome, but for people to like accept their own awesomeness. Um, it creates a place where it's like people aren't thinking, okay, well, if I don't match up with Claire Gallagher winning Western States, then I am not worthy because like Claire is superhuman, you know, like we're, I'm never going to match up with Claire in anything. And that that's, I'm okay with that because I'm perfect the way I am, you know? And so trying to get everyone as much as possible to like buy into that, that focus. Um, and then hopefully what that, that cultivates is like, you know, every, we all like everyone celebrates everyone, um, whether it's our team or not. And I mean, it's all, it's all more complicated than practice because like people are still feeling those things, just maybe not, um, as publicly, but, um, basically the idea just coming to let's all root for each other as hard as we, as hard as we can in mm-hmm. all things. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, also, now that you mentioned Claire, I have to ask because I, I listened to a podcast with her after she won Western States, and I mean, I know this from from working with you, but she actually trains with like relatively low mileage for the fact that she's winning hundred mile races. Can you kind of speak on like your your thoughts on like mileage for ultra? Well, yeah, so it's super complicated. I think it depends heavily on individuals' background. So, mm-hmm. you know, before Western States, Claire might. I think she was like 50 some miles per week. Um, Pat Drew, who was ace at Western States, was 48 miles a week. Um, but, you know, like Hayden Hawks on the team is 100 to 120 miles a week. Um, and so it, it depends heavily on like how the athlete adapts to, over time. Because what I'm focused on as a coach is not the quantity of work or even any metric of like how the work is, um, you know, distributed. What I'm focused on is, okay, is this athlete adapting to the work they're doing in the context of their life? Um, so for an athlete like Claire, she is a, like I said, superhuman. And I'm not talking about running. Like she gives her soul to so many different things. And so that doesn't on the cellular level, her body's not differentiating between that and mileage. Like on the, and maybe on the systems level it is, but not on the cellular level. So, um, you know, she can do a few, fewer miles and still adapt in the way as if she's, you know, doing as much as ever anyone else. And, um, you know, just trying to find that balance for each person, understanding that weekly mileage beyond a certain point is a terrible proxy for development long-term. Um, and, you know, yes, a few more miles might be helpful for most people, but what's most helpful for everyone is finding a stress context where they're super fulfilled and motivated and feeling good all the time. Because when we're talking about long-term growth, that, at least for runners, and I think that this might be a place where running and cycling differs a little bit, um, that happens when an athlete feels good. Because, because of how the physiology um, is, w- what that is a proxy for on the, phys- like low level cellular, on the cellular level. Um, so we do a lot of you know, blood testing and things like that to monitor what it actually means. And essentially what we found is an athlete's like emotional state and feeling physically good during running is a great proxy for every physiological variable that matters when we're talking about three or five year growth or whatever. So, um, what I would say to everyone listening is just 
uh, don't worry too much about weekly mileage. The body doesn't know that at all. The body doesn't know miles at all, like even a little bit. It knows stress. And so understanding how your body uh, and your background combine to process stress, that's where the magic happens. And yeah, so it's super interesting. And, um, you know, I think that that's kind of the fun of, of running training sometimes is finding that balance. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of, you kind of alluded to this here too. Um, the feeling versus like the, the blood work, the technology, the, like all of the, the metrics that we can get logged via like watches and rings and trackers and straps and bands and all of these fun things. Um, I feel like you're, you're more on the, the feeling side, which is probably why I really like working with you is because I'm terrible at utilizing any of the tech. Um, now, is there, is there any that you, you like, or where do you fall on that? So, yeah, I mean, I, I find myself saying something some, like this to athletes a lot, which is, you know, the big, Oh, well, what should I put in the tree? Asmo- so as Molly knows, I, try to talk to every athlete every day in their training log and just get a feel for what's going on. Like often, what should I put in here? And they'll say, you know, all these numbers of different things. I'm just like, look, I only care about how you feel. Um, everything else will work out. So, um, you know, this, this isn't just like ultra athletes. This goes for athletes that are trying to, you know, run really fast at the Olympic trials on the track. Like, um, basically the, metrics are often a security blanket for um, like not fully engaging, I would say with like the activity itself and what it means for your body and your growth. So I just want an athlete to be just super tuned into themselves and, you know, their emotions, how they feel during intervals, like every workout we do almost outside of very specific sessions for road and track racers is effort-based fartlet style, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, a time and a place for different things. I mean, we like, we like people being on Strava if it, if it's uplifting for them. Um, we don't like running power meters or, you know, anything beyond just like a simple GPS. Um, and we encourage athletes not to lap out their watches on intervals because, you know, I, I think there's a tendency for the brain to get caught up in, um, noise as opposed to signal. And so we just want to kind of tune out the noise so that we can see these longer term signals that aren't ever going to show over a day, let alone a week or two, you know? Um, and that's all, again, it's another place where running and cycling so different. So, you know, if you're talking about biking, like, you know, you are your Watts to a certain extent on the bike, um, mm-hmm. at least in road cycling and in running, you aren't your pace because pace varies so much based on, um, you know, the variables that go into that input. So, um, yeah, as a result, we're just like, look, we'll monitor, let's monitor blood work, let's monitor health-based variables. Let's take a general idea of pace to make sure there's no, like, insane deviations. And beyond that, just let's talk deeply about (laughs) how we feel and not just in running. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, As far as blood work goes, what are some of your, like, favorite markers? Oh, that's an exciting one. Um, <laughs> Saucy question here. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like I have a poster on my wall that's like vitamin D in a bikini. Um, <laughs> no, so um, yeah. So I would say the the simple the go tos are um, vitamin D and iron. So vitamin D and ferritin um, are the main ones to just 
you know, I, I'm sure I've said it to you, Molly, in the last few months. It's like, let's just make sure your ferritin and vitamin D are good. You know, I say it to female athletes at your, you know, at the top level like you all the time. Um, and beyond that, like general understanding of hormonal fluctuations, but that's much less like that's only if things are going badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, basically I d- just want athletes to be really good on vitamin D, really good on iron and not worry too much about everything else unless we have reasons to think it might be off. But even healthy people, I like to have a general feel of where they're at on those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And then you've kind of touched on this, but what are you telling athletes as their goal races just seem to keep being canceled right now? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to be fully process focused, right? Like, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're not like, um, you know, like if you need a goal, that's not a character flaw. That is a that is like how the brain should work. I think the people that are purely, purely process focused, like I might be, it's almost like ridiculous. Like it doesn't, it's not like it, it leads to worse performance over like in actual big races because you're just like excited to get back to the process. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, like I like athletes to, you know, let's figure out ways that we can structure the process to encourage this long-term growth. So, um, you know, lots of athletes now I'm having, I'm starting in, um, like faux races where they're doing big efforts with warmups and cool downs, like a race, you know, like dinner before like everything, trying to set it up all similarly using Strava. It's like a great tool, even if it's not an FKT, but like segments and things like that are a great tool to, you know, motivate some certain distance push or time push that might be harder in someone's head. Mm-hmm. Um, FKTs are great process go- focused goals, like hundred mile weeks. If someone is really going for it or whatever their, um, you know, their barrier is like things like that. So trying to set up those goals, um, de-emphasize them slightly because just like races, they're not that important. Um, but still giving goalposts that we can like kick the ball through and then find another goalpost to kick the ball through. And then eventually find that we're like many fields away right where we want to be, even though like, you know, those goalposts never really mattered too much along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Even, even for me where I kind of planned, I was like really excited to have this summer focusing on, on the process. Like two weeks ago, I was just like, I need to have something on the calendar just, just so I have it. (laughs) It doesn't even necessarily need to happen to be honest. Like I have these two ideas for like FKTs I want to do, but even if they don't actually happen, if the parks don't open, I think I'm okay just having them on there that I can work up to them and I freaking love that. Yeah. I mean, that's perfect. And that's what we say in in normal times too, is like only do races. Like if you would like think about, do a thought experiment of like, okay, I show up at race morning and it's canceled. Would I still have done everything that led up to that point? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, don't do that. Like do something else. Like life, life is lived in the, like the day to day, not, you know what I mean? So this is like the ultimate thought experiment, our thought experiment that we've always done, but applied to, training and so i think the way you're doing it is amazing and i think it gets back to like motivation in general um which is something i think a lot about in my own athletic life and like i don't think coaches need to be like competitors at all in their sports like at all but i do think it's helpful to live the life you know um just because like you understand it, it just gives you an understanding of what what like that feeling i think can go away at some point where things become numbers as opposed to 
like the lived experience of what it means to run eight miles or something. Um, and thing and every sport's like this, like freaking hard to get out the door. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's hard to do it. It's not, it doesn't feel pleasant sometimes like often in running, depending on who you are. And like having a system to buffer against those moments is so key. So like races or goals can really help do that because it, it adds a little bit of like gasoline to whatever fire is burning. Um, but you know, so in other words, just finding those things that make it okay for it to suck because it's always going to suck at times. Mm -hmm. And that has to be an enjoyable, or that has to be a part of the process that isn't dreaded. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I think the way you're doing it is so freaking good. Well, thank you. Um, no, it's funny. That's, that's a lot of what Peter has been saying to clients too, is just like, this is actually a really good time to sort of reassess, like, if your goals don't actually match the training that you, you tend to enjoy doing, like, like, would you do the training leading up to Leadville if Leadville wasn't happening? Well, if it turns out you actually hate mountain biking and really like crit racing, um, then, you know, maybe Leadville is not the goal for you. Um, so it's a kind of good chance to have to reassess that kind of stuff. I love that. How have people responded to that? I haven't gotten many people who have like canceled it, but there, there's, yeah. Like, because Leadville for mountain bike, actually, it's not actually officially canceled, but most Canadians are not going. Um, and so there there are a few people who have sort of taken their money and are, are, you know, returning to crit racing or returning to whatever. Oh, I was just, like, making that example up. No. So nailed no, it. there's definitely been a couple. <laughs> I think a lot of people, it's like, oh, right, yeah, I guess, you know, I do like mountain biking and I would mountain bike without that, I guess. Um, you know, not that all these things yeah. you guys are saying around, like, like if I don't have to go out and do hill intervals because I know nationals are coming and I'm going to have to climb up a steep hill against all these younger gentlemen, um, you know, it's definitely harder to go out and motivate to just like really go hard. But I think that gut check of, you know, do you actually like the thing in principle that you're doing? Yeah. It's good, but. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, so I guess you're like yeah, giving I, someone an out, right? Because like it's almost like, hey, you don't have to go running today. Like that, that is not required <laughs> for health. Like. You know, you can go walk and just eat generally good food. And, and most people, I think, would return with like, no, 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 I, I really like running. I'll go run. That's fine. Don't take that away. Also, give me cookies or give me death. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. We'll, we'll run for treats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but which is a good, I mean, you know, that's actually a great why too. Like, not not to say like you you eat, like running and eating, they're, they are, or athletics and eating are tied together, you know, and, and as is the like the eating being like a proxy for a lifestyle. And so, you know, I talk in like these big overarching process focused terms sometimes, but in practice, a lot of this stuff is just like finding your meaning in the grind itself. And so this is a great time to like really delve into what the grind actually means. And, you know, if it requires an existential crisis, we have time right now. Now's a good time for an existential crisis. True. And, and I think there's also the, you know, you could almost do this why with why do we even race or like what is the need of, of that feeling, right? Like you, I get really nervous and I feel sick on the start line. Like why do I put myself through this? And I think it's like we don't have that in life. We're all pretty comfortable, right? Like so I think you can almost extend that same why or thought experiment i guess like you need to put yourself through this like run every day because if you don't like you know we're, we're all going to sit inside of netflix all day right um, 
Yeah, which is its own marathon. Right? Like there yeah. is um, there is marathon. value in discomfort and, and you know, just I guess discipline, but I don't know if that's Yeah, no, I mean I you know athletics as a metaphor for life is the only like really meaningful reason to to do to do it. I mean, the when you dig down deeply into incentives, you know, like if you it's like a the old thought experiment that three year olds do where they're like, Why? And then they ask why on top of that answer and then why? And then you're like, Oh my God, what's going on? You know, and I think with athletics when you when you ask like the why might start out at like, you know, winning a race and then you just ask why and then, you know, it's like to do blah blah blah. And then you get eventually what you'll reach it's like well, this lifestyle or this approach is like a broader metaphor of growth outside of that. And I think that's why a lot of like athletes and, you know, you, you come face to face with failure and success and all these other things in such a concentrated and distilled way that it's like you have to grow as a human too. And so, you know, I mean, like, I think everything ends up being a metaphor if you, if you zoom out long enough. And that's essentially like, I think this time is making everyone try to try to think a little bit more about this question, which is super positive. I mean, I it's, so. it's coming from a negative, like it's the pandemic sucks and I wish people didn't have to go through this and I wish everyone was healthy, but this time is really, I think going to add to athlete athletes, like overall happiness over time, if they're able to, you know, work through these questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I like that. Why? Because why? Because and then essentially at the end, it's just like they're, you know, I guess because is, is why. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why do why do anything? And that why? Because that is where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Like that is where not just athletic magic, but like spiritual growth and like, per, like all that stuff is answered at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think this is pushing all of us to that why because point a little bit. And and I think a lot of interesting stuff will come out of it. And, you know, some of it might feel painful in the moment and that's okay. That is the way to growth is to go through those painful moments. So that's why I was saying existential crises. Like, you know, it's not just running or just biking. It is like <laughs> life. It is existence. And, um, you know, questioning those things is like maybe the kind of the, the point of it all. Yeah. And I mean, that actually kind of, it's funny, I was almost thinking about like the opposite of that question. Um, well, half the people are having existential crisis, crises. Um, the other half are bored to death because <laughs> they're just starting to feel like every day is like Groundhog Day and it's, you know, very monotonous. It's, you know, never going to end. There's no races on the calendar. There's no travel on the calendar. Um, how are you, I mean, how are you navigating that personally? Like the the literal daily grind <laughs> <laughs> well, as much as possible, like we try to encourage everyone and in, in live it as much as we can too, like to emphasize play in all things. Um, you know, play and running or biking is a little easier because, you know, if you're on a trail, you're like jumping over things or if you're biking, it's like you're actually on something that children do. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, but I think where play starts to become a little bit more complicated is thinking about like the logistics of daily life. Um, and I think that part of the process of being an adult is logistics take over for play. Um, so let's try to make the logistics as playful as possible. Um, so as Molly can, as you guys probably know, like my life is a little bit like it could, it could be considered like monotonous and a grind, you know, it's like, I do the same thing every single day and 
Um, but for me, it's like, I try to break it down as much as possible into like, okay, this isn't just something to finish. This is something to try to find like that, you know, that interesting spark in not like whether, not that I'm going to be good at it or whatever in that moment, but that the humor of it, whatever it is, is like on the surface, not just like unstated, but like is right there. So, um, you know, easier said than done, like across the board, but I would just like for everyone, a good, a good way to maybe, maybe try this, especially if it's not natural for you, which I wouldn't, I would say like, it's not hundred percent natural for me is like a laugh, a laugh test. So, you know, go through a day and try to find every excuse you can to chuckle, like an out loud chuckle, like, you know, because most people will go through a whole day and not realize they don't really laugh um, in a regularly lived life, you know, which is like, um, you know, you can, you can, (laughs) it's something that may be involuntary at times, but it can also be voluntary. And so do that, like maybe, and then if you need help doing that at first, a good way to do it is to turn, turn on a comedy on TV, like a great one being 30 rock, which has like a joke every seven seconds. Oh my God. We're watching that right now. Oh, perfect. (laughs) <laughs> laugh out loud at every, you know, try laughing out loud at every joke. It doesn't have to be like a loud laugh, but just like a little, <laughs> or whatever. Um, and, you know, it, I think it just starts to get some of those behavioral patterns wired a little. Um, and then, you know, with the obvious caveat that, like, if mental health struggles are there, all this stuff falls by the wayside and just, it's okay to just try to get through the day, make sure you're talking to people. And um, that stuff is so real. And I don't want to, like, downplay it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on the topic of playing and having something around to maybe keep you on the the playing bandwagon all day, um, we, we've got to <laughs> we've got to ask. Like going. Yeah, so we're getting a dog. This is very exciting Yay! for me. <laughs> um, so wait, 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 I'm interrupting. I'm interrupting. What type of dog? Oh, it's a miniature dachshund. It's adorable. We'll have we'll have pictures it's... in the show notes. <laughs> It's the best dog that's ever lived. Is is what he's trying to say. Oh I God. I saw I saw a photo and it melted my heart like eight times over. I know, and, I know, just bonkers yeah. cute. It's insane. Um, I'm so excited. Um, but you guys have one of the most adorable dogs and like happiest dogs and dog that has inspired many others to end up with dogs. So, what's your best training advice for us? <laughs> I'm probably the last person to come to. Um, so my general feeling on this is that like all that matters is love and that if, if, if any creature is given a lot of love, it'll find like the certain, like it'll find its path. So as it relates to a dog, like, you know, our, like we didn't know anything about dogs when we got Abby. So we just tried to create an environment where she wasn't super stressed about anything. And, you know, we, just gave her that. So, um, which is kind of how I try to coach too. So, um, yeah, I would say that. And then with all the, like, like getting back to those logistics, just try not to, um, like read into too much, like what people tell you, whether that's me or others about how you should raise your dog, like beyond, you know, the emotional state that, you know, you're putting the dog in because, you know, dogs are, they, they all, grow and develop on their different on their own time scales but a, a happy dog will generally 
you know, learn what it needs to learn eventually <laughs> um, with like the basic training that you learn in the first ta- the first 10 pages of like a book mm-hmm. or, or a website rather than the 200th page. Um, so, yeah, basically love and for Addie, great training because she came from a farm full of worms and went to the oh, bathroom dear. on our floor the first second she came in and it was the grossest experience oh, of my entire life. <laughs> but in retrospect, such a, such a great moment that we laugh about to this day. We have good pictures. Well, there we go. There's our laugh out loud moment for the day. Perfect. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I think that actually is like the perfect spot to end here. So where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Um, uh, Swaprunning.com. And then other than that, I think you can just, uh, my email's out there if you ever have questions. And I guess my final request to anyone listening is just to like look in the mirror after this episode, even if you like hated everything I said and just be like, I am freaking awesome. Not me, you. <laughs> like you're just say that to yourself. I don't like say him, that. but I'm going to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, not me, but yourself. Um, say that about yourself and, uh, you know, try to do it once or twice a day just for the hell of it and see what happens. Not, not to say like you're going to believe it or anything, but just because you are. And I think, um, it takes a certain amount of practice to, uh, you know, to let yourself articulate it out loud. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate you guys so much for having me on Molly and Peter. Anytime. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. While you still have your podcast app open, do us a huge favor, head over to iTunes or whatever app you're listening in and rate and review the podcast. It's super helpful. It, you know, gets us more guests on the show. It gets me a dog. Um, and it's just, you know, a good way to give back if we've provided any kind of value to you throughout all of the episodes you've listened to. If you're looking for the show notes, you can find those at www.consummateathlete.com. We have lots of Other content over there and any information about coaching or events can also be found at that same website. And you can find us on the social medias at Molly J. Herford and at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram. And we would love to hear from you. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week. 